2: Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's, given He's given Peter got it. He's got it. By Siddle's got head check on this ball game. Go! go, go,
0: go!
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to what is the last episode of Two Slips in the Gully for 2019. Um, or hope wishing you all uh, a happy festive season. Um and yeah, plenty of two slips and the gully stuff for you guys to hook into over the holiday period while you know we have some well earned time off and uh Enjoy the holidays, and we'll see you all again in two thousand and twenty. But before we get to that, we have got a cracker of an episode to finish on. Oh, I
0: was going to, I was going to leave. <laughs> Not yet. Well, well that's us done.
1: We got a cracker of an episode. <laughs> we are going to uh, have a look at the latest, or well, the, the the test match between um, Australia and New Zealand. That was full of. Full of controversy, full of talking points, so there's plenty to unpack there. And, of course, we will reveal our middle order for our most enjoyable to watch, 11. So stay tuned. There was uh, some contentious picks in the last one for our openers in the top three, so we might have some uh, side like balls. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It was contentious. Every, uh, every player I picked opened.
1: <laughs> I just had that
0: moment, like you got at school, where... Yeah. Where you, you realise that you
2: didn't do your homework. I think before. that's the real question for this week, Glenno, is how uh, did you do your homework uh, Did, you,
1: did I do my homework? So, Glenn, while no. we're doing this, if he seems a little distant through the uh, opening parts of this podcast, he's sitting there in his head going, who am I going to pick out of the literal hundreds of classy middle-order batsmen that I could pick for my team?
2: Once again, I will reiterate that it's not a difficult thought process for any of us to have. To well, think it could about be. So players. long
1: as they've gone in as a night watchman at any point, you could pick anyone. Yeah. What an what 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 A really... could be an opener for you. If yeah. You want to adjust your team retrospectively. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sh- what I food.
0: really, what I really need is for someone to be like talking to me about something very important in my general life, so that I can just zone out and and, listen, and think about cricket. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do that too. <laughs> yeah. You got to do this on your tax. Make sure so, you write it down. It's some kind and of like, nation thing. I wonder if. You could bat, you know, Hansie Cronje at five.
1: Do you know how fast you were going, sir? I wonder how McGrath would go against today's bowling. What?
2: <laughs> today's bowling. Spoiler alert. Not good. <laughs>
1: So, yes, um, all that is coming up. Great episode coming your way. And like we said, uh, a cracking one to get you through your holiday seasons before we hit uh, New Year's, and we'll start it all over again. So all that is coming up next.
2: Got it! Patrick Swalwell, beautifully bowled. All right,
1: so first test out of the way, day night test at Perth. Love the concept; means cricket's on till midnight over in the east coast, which I am one hundred percent okay with. You know what else
0: I I, was, I really loved about that was the uh, twilight ticket. You guys hear about that?
1: Yeah, the the you're coming in for the night session, and yeah, that's all the last two sessions. I think it was, and I think it was like twenty bucks or something like that. It's a bit of a shame that genius the uh, the, the the Perthians. I don't know, Scott, you used to live in Perth. How do you? We're, we're Bathurstians. What do you describe people that live in Perth?
2: Um, I was actually... I lived about two hours plane ride from Perth. But, um yeah, I that's, guess you'd call that's them... Foreign,
1: yeah, that's like neighbouring town. That's fine. Yeah. look,
2: <laughs> well, They're pretty well spread out over there. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, mate, that's a good question. That is. Put a poll up.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, for the for the sake of this podcast, we'll call them Perthians. a bit disappointing that Perthians didn't give us a massive turnout for that day-night test. I expected that in to be pretty rocking at the night sessions. But um yeah, for twenty bucks a ticket's great. So if the S C G ever gets to the point where it hosts a day night test and doing that, that's certainly something to um be very interested in. Yeah, that's great. Just-
2: Interesting stat from this uh day night test was I averaged about five hours sleep over this time because another great twelve o'clock finish <laughs> when yeah. you starting at oh, five you, five o'clock in the morning. You
1: got some practice in with the Ashes and the World Cup, so you know five yeah, hours. Yeah, it's sleep, much
2: better than the Ashes, that's for sure. God, that nearly f- killed me.
1: Five hours sleep would just be like a like almost two days,
2: mate. I, I breezed through it.
1: <laughs> um. So yeah, plenty of talking points which we'll get through for this one. So uh, the Aussies obviously got up in in quite convincing fashion, two hundred ninety six run victory inside of. Four days as well, so um, not a great showing for our for our brothers across the across the ditch. Um, they would have been looking to put forward a, a much more competitive uh, result against the Aussies, but um, some Trent Bolt ruled out early for this one, which replaced That's by Lockie Ferguson, yeah. who also then ruled himself out for the remainder of the game. He only managed to bowl eleven overs in the New Zealand first innings, and then he. Pulled up lame. Again, you
2: look at all the key matchups, like I alluded to before this this podcast, uh, before this this test match in the last podcast. um, All the key matchups we won, even the guys who got injured. Even our, even our yeah, guy who got injured we, took a wicket before he went off. So, yeah, yeah. killing it from
1: day dot. I, I don't know if you guys paid attention, how much attention you paid to that over, but Hazelwood's over was all well and truly over 142 Ks. He was sharp in that over too. So. Big and too he early. broke himself. Um, Would have been interesting to see if Hazelwood managed to get through the test. I don't know if it would have went for three days the way that Hazelwood was bowling. He was sharp and he, accurate. He's hitting Great fine bowling. form, isn't
2: he? It's um, a very, very big shame, that one, actually.
1: Mm. Um, which obviously will bring up again with both Hazelwood and Ferguson being ruled out early in the test match. Um, should we have injury substitutes where the teams, are, you know, they bowler down for the remainder of the test? Should they be allowed to bring in a replacement player to be able to keep bowling? What do you guys think? Well, I think in,
0: in this case it probably would have evened itself out pretty well uh, as it turned out. We both had an injured player. Um, and, yeah, I mean – like you wouldn't have had to have had those weird overs where, like, you know, the the opposition we were bowling Travis head a bit more and Labuschagne, Matty a Wade bit more. having a bit of a trundle, just like uh, we got to rest our bowlers somehow. It, so. it,
2: it posed an interesting point though when Matty Wade started getting into his work was with the BBL, and they were saying could he potentially be the first player to have all three designations as wicketkeeper, bowler, and batsman. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's an interesting thought. The did ultimate he, all Did rounder. he hit the
0: one the mid one thirties again?
1: Oh, uh, I think he did in his he, first over. He was a pretty decent
0: <laughs> leak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he's he's just too short though. He's like one of those guys who just skid onto the middle of the bat. I reckon
1: he bowled a cracking outswinger for his first ball, and then about two balls later, he bowled a half tracker, which uh, Ross Taylor caught. Uh, easily dispatched to the square leg boundary. And it's like, ah, well, that's Matty Wade's bowling in a nutshell right there. You just, yeah. you just
2: envisage him as being that guy who's just like, I bowl crap, mate, and if you don't hit me for 12 off this over, he's literally sledging the batsman <laughs> as he's going in. If you don't hit me for 12 off this over, you go, and then he bowls a perfect out swinger, and it's just like you can't play him for the whole <laughs> <life. laughs> over. So yeah, he, he just seems like that kind of bloke with the ball. Yeah.
1: So what do I reckon, though? So obviously the, the game sort of evened itself out with both teams having to be a, a bowler down, which sort of – you know, sort of negates the argument a little bit, but um, on the other side, both bolt teams had bowlers going down, and so sort of reckon should it have I, been somewhere where they could have been able to call in a player to be able to shoulder. The I Ferguson's think i and think Hazel's? the great man,
2: Mister Cricket himself, like pretty like pretty early on, even even before Australia had, had a bowl, they um he hit the nail on the head kind of straight away and said, the the big the big reservation you've got to have in those situations is um is like if you're going to deal with these kind of things, you don't want it to be open to manipulation by anyone. Yeah, 100%. And if the ICC can nut that out, and I think, like, we were talking about well, this the other day, obviously, as you do, when it comes up in the, in the public consciences, and we, we were just saying, like, if you can get, like, independent doctors maybe or something like that to get on board with it and verify that this guy, if he does play anymore, will either get serious injury or already has a serious injury, then well, you need to kind of, like, that. that's the, that's the point. You need to find a cut off. And yeah. then just go from there. I, Otherwise, I, it's, you just you just opening up a can of worms. Like every test team in the world will take an advantage if they can. Oh, absolutely. But I absolutely. I put forward the
0: idea. I think it was in the second episode after Jimmy Anderson got got ruled out in the second over of the Ashes or something like that. You just you allow them to sub him in for that game, but then that player is
1: out for that series. The series or the next game. I well, think, at think, least
0: think, at least the next game, but possibly the series, if you wanted to be really hard. Yeah,
2: I reckon I actually go as far as the series, like like you say, because it just kind of really shuts the door on any kind of yeah. gamesmanship by so anyone,
1: whether well, whether he's fit or not. A lot of the time, yeah. the injuries were like Hazelwood. I'd be surprised to see in Sydney for a, like he's already been ruled out of Boxing Day, um, and I'd surprised me to see him in Sydney. Considering they're a back-to-back test, I think yeah. he'll be wrapped in cotton wool. Yeah, well, which
0: but but if he wasn't really injured, he would be. They would be putting him in for Melbourne.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm of the opinion um, that that no, you shouldn't have injury substitutes unless it's for an injury that is caused by an external source. So, for example, um, you know you copped a, a wicked bouncer under the ribs, which broke your ribs, which isn't the player's fault. That's not foreseeable by the teams. Um, you know, and they're then suffering with you know, cracked ribs. That's something that's happened because of the game, um, which is disadvantage to the team. Uh, another one, if we have a downpour um, and makes the outfield a bit sloshy and then you do that you know the Simon Jones thing where you sort of feel a bit wrong and you smash your knee out and that's ruled you out. I think yeah. in those cases... Tried to tackle a streaker. You know, Tried to tackle a streaker. It's things like that which aren't necessarily the player's fault, which have external stimuli to cause them. I can see an argument you might go down the road for an injury substitute. But as I said, I think I said it in, the, in the, the same podcast you were alluding to, test cricket goes for five days. If you're not fit enough to play for five days, then that's tough luck. You know, if you pull a hamstring... like Josh Hazelwood bowled eight balls after barely batting. So you can't say that he was hard at work and he's, you know, given up the ghost. This is, he's barely done anything and he's tweaked his hamstring and that's it. Like you gotta Mm. be, you gotta be fit to play. That's part of why it's called test cricket. So I'm of the opinion that if you, if you have a self sustained injury that you've just sustained due to physical exertion, you weren't
2: fit enough for the game. Plus it's kind of interesting to see. It's part of, part of how it works. Like, It's it's also something that, like like, you know, it it kind of it would tie in pretty well with the independent doctor thing, because the doctor would be able to determine, you know, it. it, it, There could be a circumstance where it's quite a fine line, like a guy just goes down to field a ball. Makes it look horribly uncoordinated. Falls over, and it's just like, how do you determine if that's external factor or if he's just?
1: Oh yeah, obviously any, any injury, injury would have thing to like be this, verified so. by by a doctor. So yeah, if, and if, it's if if something you've done an- there, and
2: he'll just say, well, that in, in my opinion, that's probably more of a pre-existing thing than what it would have been. Yeah, like, like if it's a, a case contact of injury a, on the ground or anything like that,
1: broken arm or cracked ribs, or you've you know done an MCL something like that in the field, they're really easy to diagnose. Take them to the hospital. They get scanned. They go, yep, they're out. Cool. Yeah, um, and then you can activate that. I still think um, if the only leeway I would make it, if you were going to be, you know, obviously there's there's other player safety issues concerned, you know, your other bowlers are going to have to shoulder more of a workload, which could exacerbate more injury. So it's a cascading effect that, you know, bowler one hurts himself, which means bowler two and three have to work more, which means bowler two and three are at more risk. Um, if we want to go down that road of, um, I still don't, I don't entirely buy into this because if you're, as a, a captain of a team, if you're worried about bowlers two and three hurting themselves, you give the ball to someone else. So you don't make bowlers two and three have to deal with all that. You know, if bowlers, those bowlers aren't up to test quality, then that's, you know, that's part of the deal you've got with but, picking 11 guys. But doesn't I that tie go- into
2: your theory about having, it's it's a test match. Yeah. You've got eleven players, it's and a team that's what sport. It's for. Exactly. If if you're gonna take a guy in, then you're letting your team down by carrying a niggle into a game and injuring yourself pretty early because you're just making the rest of your teammates Absolutely. work hard. Which is
1: why I wouldn't go down having a replacement, but if you know, you know how how professional sport is now that there's all you know, player player safety and player longevity and all that sort of thing with all of the legality around things and You know, they don't want to get sued by anyone because I had to go and bowl 15 extra overs on that test match because Josh Hazelwood did a hamstring and you wouldn't let us have an injury substitute. So I had to work harder and hurt myself and they want to get ahead of that stuff. If if Cricket Australia then fought like, you know, cricket in general forces that hand and wants to go down that path of having an injury substitute for bowlers, I think it should be reserved only for who you have named as 12th man. Yep. Um, Can't bring out anyone external to the squad. Um, so, for example, if say Steve Smith hurt himself in the ashes, it wasn't because of a concussion substitute, but it, uh, they wouldn't have been able to bring in Manus Labuschagne. They would have had to have brought in whoever they named that 12th man, who I believe would have been Peter Siddle for that game.
2: Oh God! So oh, um, he was in form actually. then.
1: So yeah, yeah if you're going to have a if you're going to have a self-sustained injury that you've done because you've pulled a calf out in the field or you've run in and got a hamstring twinge, and they're going to go down the path of well, where. Going to look after everyone else. We're going to have a substitute. It can only be your twelfth man. So if you have named and, a batsman at twelfth man, then you bring and, in another batsman.
2: And so that'd tie in with your with your head injury thing as well.
1: Oh so yeah, it, the concussion it, rule stays the same. That's fine. Okay, okay
2: yeah. Well, but it works out to, pretty well because most most teams would then just pick a bowler as twelfth man.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. You'd pick a bowler because they're the ones that are most likely to go down with an like. Yeah. You know,
2: if you if you lose if, a batsman, you can't see old Usman. Tearing a hamstring too easily at first slip kind of thing, you know, it's it's more likely that a bowler's going to be the one who's going to get the injury. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, why don't pick an all rounder? Well, we wouldn't pick an all rounder because we haven't got any. But
2: well, that's that's the next step is if you got, but I mean, if you got a good all rounder, you'd probably have him in your team anyway. But yeah, it, it and that, that that's where I would draw the line. I'd actually almost you'd almost make it a rule that the bowler it has to be a bowler of the twelfth man because you know oh, no, it, it, it would it would have helped New Zealand a lot in that game.
1: I don't think you go to down have the path
2: of legislating who can be a twelfth man. If if
1: like it would just be if you're worried about a player being injured and wanting to make sure that you've got a bowling substitute,
2: you pick a bowler. But other than but, that, but then that that ties into your whole if it's deliberate or not. If it's like well, three no fault of the you, players you've, own,
1: you've got to make sure if like if they've they've got to be cleared by a medical professional. There's got to be a reason for them to not play. If it's just if there's something diagnosable, that's what like, they come off and go. Just, I've got I, a headache and I can't finish the game, and you go well. That's tough do, but I, if you go to the doctors and they go yeah that's a grade 2 hamstring strain he clearly cannot
2: play sport yeah i that's I, I just think it would make it a lot easier just to be a bowler because that's the most like statistically throughout the entire history yeah. of cricket it would be I think bowlers are the ones that get if they were given the that option injury. that you
1: could substitute
2: you know hamstring strain
1: injuries because just everyone, everyone to pick a bowler as 12th man. It would, it just, because that's the worst case scenario. Yeah, What's ma- the worst case sense. scenario in cricket? A bowler goes down day one and you're screwed for the rest of the yeah. test. So that, they'd be covering off against that. And that's case. almost
2: exclusively the, the scenario we're trying to cover in that circumstance. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, barring yeah Mitchell Johnson breaking Graham Smith's hand, that's about the only other real instance where a guy's not been able to, like, play you know, bat properly, he had to bat at 11, he still come out and it was all very heroic, but he might have saved the test match if he was actually opening for the team kind of thing. Yeah, but
0: what what I'm saying is is, is if you had your substitute in that game, let's say it was Albie Morkel, an all-rounder, he would be able to cover it if a bowler went down
2: or if Graeme Smith went down.
1: Yeah, so an all-rounder all, all would yeah, make I, sense
2: as well. I I just, I don't, I don't like the idea of, and this is the, this is the only thing that I'm worried about, is I don't like the idea of, another team going into a game, having to bowl first, they lose a bowler straight away, and like the New Zealand game, and then come the second innings, they decide to activate this player because Lockie Ferguson goes down, and then suddenly they've got a new batsman. It's just completely changed the face of the Test match. You've picked a team. You wake up on on the first day, and you're like, this is the team that we're facing, and then come the fourth day, you're playing a different team. The flip
1: side to that is they're, they're going to play two and a half days or three days a bowler down. Then Australia's got the advantage that they've they're a bowler down, so they've got an extra batsman they've got to get out in terms of they've got a to...
2: yeah and, and, and like yeah it's, it, like I can understand both side both points of view, but it's, yeah, just oh, I
1: I I'm still seeing in the camp that you shouldn't be able to replace uh, an injury like a, an injury like that a calf strain or yeah, yeah. a hamstring strain or a side strain and, or anything and I guess like that. that that's the point um, is we just kind
2: of want to eliminate that risk of
1: but but yeah if they did want to go down the route of having. Injury substitutes, I think that's the only one that, not that I've got any say in what happens, but I think that's the one that I'd feel the most comfortable would be is, yeah, okay, we're going to go down this path of having active substitutes for those sorts of injuries, but it is whoever you've named at 12th man at the toss. Yep. And then, okay. then you just deal with that. I still think, yeah, if you if you come in and, like Josh Hazel would, bowl eight balls and I'm out for the test, I've stuffed something, well, it's not really New Zealand's fault. You bowled eight balls. You haven't worked hard. You haven't been out in the sun for he, two days. He might have just been playing for his average. <laughs> one for one for none. I'm one doing for none.
2: Lot. He's got a strike rate of eight. How many players have talked about doing that in their career? <laughs> take it. Take a good over, Scotty Scotty <laughs> Stephenson last year <laughs> in bushies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's a bit of an esoteric reference, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, Um, everyone knows that, right?
1: (laughs) All right, so delving into some of the other nuts and bolts of this test match. um, Some pretty disappointing performances. I think uh, bowled really well to Kane Williamson, but um, ended up getting himself out a couple of times. Nathan Lyon certainly had a good delivery to him first up in the second innings. So it would have been nice to see Kane um, do a little more. But um, You see that Kane Williamson got um, criticised by Stuart
0: Broad for not walking.
2: Oh, I know. I saw like <laughs> wow. No, he didn't. Go. He, I don't think he necessarily got criticised. I think he more criticised the Australian public for criticising him. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. It was
2: just well, like fair income, mate. Like <laughs> it was the finest feather of an edge compared to what his was, which was literally he basically like side chopped the ball with his bloody middle of his edge, and it's also the fact to walk.
1: It was also the fact that don't even think the Australians appealed. Or if they appealed, no. they
2: didn't review it. Well, Steve, Steve, that was the one with Steve Smith was the only one adamant that the ball had been hit, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, there wasn't much of an appeal. So the Australians didn't think he hit it either. And Steve, Whereas yeah. the Australians went ballistic when they got Stuart Broad and the umpire said no and they obviously the had no reviews. The ball spun the
2: wrong way on Stuart Broad. Yeah. Like, it was well, a left-arm it, orthodox bowler which spins the same way as a, like Shane a leg spin bowler, and it went the other way to first slip. Yeah, Agar's got a serious Karen ball there. <laughs> you know, like it's, he,
0: he's, he's found a way.
2: Mate, we're bowling with Nathan Lyon, who's got Jeff, which goes straight, and then <laughs> Ashton Agar's one goes completely the other way. I forgot about Jeff.
1: <laughs> I think most people have forgotten about Jeff. I love that Nathan Lyon's just got names like that for his deliveries. You know, brought he brought out is the a
2: proper ocker, isn't it? The
1: he? disco ball and the Karen ball and all these ones like that. Nathan, what's your what's your um your other delivery and he's gone off? Oh.
2: I call, I call it, <laughs> my name is Jeff. There's like some Australian publicist nearby and his name's Jeff. So he's like, call it Jeff.
1: <laughs> um, Ross Taylor looked good. Um, yep. probably a little too aggressive for his own good in that test match, but, um, certainly looked very good out there. Um, looked like he adjusted well to the conditions and really gave the Aussies a bit of a pasting before, before getting out, which was, um, good to see. You know, he's in a twilight of his career now, Ross, but, um, I actually forgot about it. I can't believe I forgot about it. The last time that he came out and toured and batted in Western Australia, he scored two hundred and ninety. Batted
2: forever. Yeah, remember that? Yeah. I was just
1: like two hundred and ninety. I'm like, wait, oh, I don't remember that innings. That was insane.
2: And we still got a result in that test, didn't we? Because it was Melbourne that was a draw. Maybe I'm misremembering my history. Well, I thought Perth might have been a draw, draw. as well. I have to check. I thought Perth you'd, was you'd a draw. Think, and you'd think won. with close to three hundred runs scored by a team that was. Like, in a massive deficit, there would have been a draw.
1: There was a lot of runs in that series. That's why we now get to look at the top averages of all time and see Adam Voges' name because he cashed in in that series. Same with Kawaja. Kawaja owes his, literally his entire career to that series because everyone's like, oh, my God, do you know Kowaja averages 80 in Australia? You have to pick him. And that 80 was scored in one series.
2: He, yeah, it he, is, did not, he did have a very good average in, time.
1: Running into this series, it was like Kawaja averages 50. In Australia, oh, yeah. you have to pick him. And it's like, well, well, three years ago, he averaged 80. So, you know, yeah. just
2: think yeah. about that when it you're was, talking about how Kawaja goes I th- I in Australia. I think he really needs to retire from away series, definitely.
0: It was in that, that game, too, where um, Mitchell Stark hit 100 miles an hour. Um, he hit he one, 160 Ks, and the pitch was so dead, it just didn't matter. Yeah. It just didn't matter how fast he was bowling. It was just,
2: yeah, absolutely not, not doing anything. He, um, he was... Properly in the older arm situation there with the old blue language just just bowl fast, Mitch. Just bowl fast.
1: Segwaying into Stark a little bit, it was very good to see. Obviously, we we predicted it right. The Kiwis came in with a bit of venom. They wanted to use the short ball as often as they could. Wagner essentially came in and. Um, was a bit of the enforcer, came round the wicket and peppered players and well, a
0: bit of aggression. His first <laughs> spell was a bit surprising because he pitched it up and he was swinging it. And I'm like, oh, he looks like a pretty standard left-arm bowler, like a, a carbon copy yeah, they, of Trent they usually, Bolt.
1: They usually save it for when the ball wasn't doing much. They tried to get as much out of the pink ball as they could when it was new. And then that was sort of plan B, all right, it's not doing a lot, bit soft. Get Neil Wagner to come in and just bit of, bit of body line against the Aussies. And then the Aussies are like, well, that's cute that 133-kilometre-per-hour bounce. So how about one of these? And Stark comes ripping in and bowling at 148. So I think the Kiwis are a little bit outgunned if that's their um, plan B to when the ball gets a bit soft. Well, oh, to be fair, it, it
0: got them wickets, though. Yeah, what,
1: what's, yeah, what level of concern do many, you
2: have for that Australian innings in the many, dig? How, how many wickets, ridiculous. though, like
1: that was, but how many wickets did you get from just a ball that just tore past their, like, whizzed past their nose and caught the shoulder. None. Every wicket that I saw was someone playing a crap shot to a short ball. Yeah, it was. It was just – the fielding was what got them those wickets. It was just getting bored with watching it. You know, Steve Smith got out bored. That's what it should say. Caught southy, bored. But Yeah. I mean, it,
0: it's, it's it's like how I get out
2: just, in when I'm so playing – There's Donald. so many topics you can brush on, though, from this little passage, though, because it was literally Steve Smith's – like playing, these two dismissals were ridiculous. Just going so, after the short ball for the best test batsman at the moment. He's much better than that. And but that none was of them are good balls. Silliness.
1: They just set fields to him, and he hit it to him. It was just dumb batting. None of that. You wouldn't say coming exactly. out of that, we're not going in going. God. I hope we don't get another spell like that from Wagner. That well, was scary. And it's,
2: it's pretty easily remedied, but at the same time, Australia just need to be a lot smarter. That second dig, we should have been in a position to just be declaring whenever we wanted to. Yeah. Instead, we just gave our wickets to them
1: well, credit from to, day dot. Well, credit to New Zealand. They're a team that's always in the fight, and that five for, what, 23 that they got at the end of day three, it's um like they were never, at that point, after that first innings with the bat, New Zealand were out of the game, but at least it kept the game somewhat alive, I suppose. Like it sort of, you know, had a small heartbeat after New Zealand sort of got a little bit of the ascendancy at the end of day three with that 5 for 23 spell. That's, you know, indicative of the New Zealand team. They've always got a bit of fight and they'll they, they'll, they'll, but, they'll,
2: but the, they'll the, go to the end. The more scary part is it's indicative of the Australian team of yesteryear where we have a really soft middle order as well. And that's something that is more like from an Australian perspective, we need to learn from that. Yeah, And from a New Zealand perspective... Why would you go away from that tactic in the next test? Because at the end of the day, it's born fruit form. It's they very did, indicative of the fact that they you did know, get those test w- cricketers around the world aren't willing to wait out players now. They did get those wickets at
1: night in a pink ball test, so I don't think they're going to c- get quite yeah, but, the but same. But how do you
2: normally get wickets in a pink ball test? you at, bowl f- you bowl, at, uh, Yeah, you bowl, but you bowl up and you bowl with a swinging ball. Like, Matty Wade's is a more typical kind of pink Pink ball test, you know, didn't know where the ball was coming. It it swung really late on him. He kind of didn't know what to do to it and wanted to leave it, which is more indicative of his mindset. But the short ball shouldn't be getting you out under lights.
1: No. And that's what it was. We We were impatient. We didn't treat the bowling with enough respect and we kept holding out. Even the next day, Matty Wade was starting to get a bit of, you know, copped a few. You wore a lot actually, which yeah. I suppose is again something that you're going to look at that short bowling tactic. And when you're looking at Matt Wade just dropping the bat and just letting it hit him on the arm or the chest or whatever, because he's he's that intimidated, he could not care less about getting out of the way. He's just like, I don't care. It's, yeah. it's my but my, I kid, my I face, bowls. Mitchell stuck
2: in the wick in the what? in the. In the practice wicket kind of thing, yeah.
1: I bowl faster than this, whatever, hit me, I don't care. Like,
2: yeah. and then he's been watching. Wagner can uh, angry face you all you like, but he's actually not allowed to hit you. So if he was actually that day to swing at you, you might be scared, but his bowling's not the thing that scares you, really.
1: Well, he was. That's, that sound bite that came out of it. Bring it on, big boy, keep him coming. Yeah. I'll be here in Sydney, will you? Or something
2: like, something to that effect. Oh. Like, that's how. Speaking of, how rough was uh, Starkey's call on Jeet Raval? It was a bit rough, I've well, got to say. So this was, it was like I shared this on our little uh, two slips and a gully messenger feed we got, which is um, yeah, uh, Jimmy Neesham, who is a guy who's definitely worth a follow on Instagram. He's <laughs> apparently he's <laughs> yeah. a crack up, but he comes out and he says this is the stark comparison between the Australian Test team and the New Zealand Test team, which is uh, Steve Smith with uh, Koala Mattresses on it, as an advertisement on his cricket bat, is a multi-million dollar company that he invested in from basically scratch. And then Jeet Raval's got his uh accounting firm on his bat, which is the thing that he play that he does in summer. Sorry, he, in winter for the New Zealand team. Actually, because he can't afford to actually go and play twenty twenties or or see he doesn't he, get signed for twenty twenties. He not, should
0: do my taxes because he would understand when I'm drifting off and thinking about my all-time eleven.
1: <laughs> well, if Jeet Revell's not careful, he'll be doing his uh, accounting firm in the middle of summer and the, as well and as then, winter. Yeah, that
2: that led into Starkey basically just saying, "Mate, you're playing for your, you know, you're playing for the next, the spot in the next game, mate." And then he just basically led into him saying, "I think it, I think it was actually someone on the sump said that um, Boxing Day in in Melbourne's pretty good, especially if you're not playing in the tests."
0: <laughs> he, he should have asked him something like. Um, can I claim, uh, you know, like, bleach on my whites?
2: <laughs> we well, know. Pertinent questions. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, like... I'll, it, I'll it, get you it, out how, and then where you does, can do my taxes. Where does more? that sit for you, boys? It was a bit of a rough sledge. And don't get me wrong, this is what I've been screaming from from Starkey for a long time. It's just a bit of mongrel about him.
1: You know, like, yeah, like, sledging's not supposed to be nice. Yeah. And I don't think that got anywhere, to, anywhere near the line. Like, you, you don't... It got him out at the end of the day. You don't make sle- like sledges aren't aren't nice things to say. That's the whole point of being it being they It's supposed just, to be uncomfortable. It's it just think smacked
2: that's, of a bit of an elitist kind of thing and to and say to a guy who's you know literally playing for his spot and Starkey's. Well, just there's, like,
1: there's nothing wrong with telling. Like every all the media is talking about it. Everyone from New Zealand's talking about how Jeet Raval was lucky to go to Australia, and now after. Two failures that he spots, like everyone else is talking about it. I don't see any problem at all with Starkey reminding him. It's oh, I think I-
0: it's near the line. It's probably near the line because, yeah, it is just a little bit
2: personal. It's a bit close to home, but other than that, I I think like you say, sledging, sledging. At the end of the day, if you're going into a game and not expecting it,
0: like if 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 Jeep no- like Ravel had like been in a team with Mitchell Stark at some point, you know, like say played some twenty twenty or or something like that. Yeah, I, I'd say okay, that's all right. They know each other, they're mates, but i I don't think <laughs> I don't think they would know each other, and that's just really a crappy thing to do. It's a, it's, it's, it's a do. little bit bullyish, you know. Like Stark's got a guaranteed career, um, regardless of whether it's a test career or a twenty twenty career. Jeet Raval, if he yeah, he if he fails, he's got to go back and um, yeah. He's gotta work the accounting firm or or
2: get a normal job. The poor know? bloke's an accountant. I mean, he's only <laughs> gonna make a lot of money instead of a super lot of money. He could become a lion tamer, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no, it's yeah. I, it's an
2: interesting one anyway. Um
1: I'm, I'm I think that's I think that's fair play. Like like it's not supposed to be nice, it's not supposed to be, you know, cuddly and touchy feely, it's supposed to be a bit uncomfortable, which is why it's sledging. Yeah, not too much further than that, but like, yeah, I've got absolutely no problems at all with calling a player who's everyone else is calling out for being lucky to be in the side. Be lucky to be in the side. Some of our favourite sledges was. I
0: I don't think the sledge got him out either. What got him out was that it was a ball that. What got got him out is he's not very good
1: at cricket. That's the.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. It's definitely it's definitely not a good spot for New Zealand. I think I think Jate's he he he, 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 he's of of the lot. I think he's probably the best one. He might that's, be that's able to, to go so far. He might be able to reinvent himself
0: as a as a leg spinner. He got himself a wicket. <laughs> do the reverse Smith.
2: Didn't quite do as and, well as Marnus. How good was his ball? To, oh, that was great, to Santa. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, spinning it from out the rough and through the gate. Great yeah, ball. We but talk then about. Again, we we
0: talk again. Marnus just does it better. We talk about Santa knowing everything. He didn't know much about that
2: ball, did he? <laughs> <laughs> Santa Claus. He was <laughs>
0: Santa
1: Claus. He was, he was too busy checking off the naughty and nice list. To, yeah, I uh, know. Oh, look,
2: oh, it's a busy it's
0: time. It? It's a busy time of year for him. Right? Like, how is a guy supposed to focus on his
2: batting if I,
0: if if, if he's he's got,
2: ever there was an example that the elves do more than Santa does, yeah. it's right now. He's hey. playing a test this close to Christmas.
0: Yeah, and he's and he's got him. You know, he's he's got He's got weight off, so he's clearly committed to uh, you know that and. Yeah. Anyway, how how much further uh, can we stretch this? God, metaphor? We are we are losing it.
2: But this this is an this is an interesting question for me guys is um just, like I, I think it's a good time to kind of do a stock take on how day-night cricket's going as far as on I, the on the world stage.
1: I'm am I'm a fan of the of the game. I'm
2: like especially I'm, I'm now I'm that joi- you, especially now the kind going. of come to the party as well.
1: What I am concerned about is just how lifeless the game seems to be during the day the, like it's just sort of got to the point leads, where teams are gearing themselves up it's not like the game just sort of goes into a holding pattern yeah. during the day to be ready to play like the in the first innings we were dead batting everything because we wanted to get it was it no longer became about we need to put on a target that the the Kiwis can't get to it's we just need to survive long enough so our bowlers don't have to do as much yeah, work
2: before nighttime which leads me to my, like which leads to my point which is if you it's it's so important you win the toss in a day night test i think because if you if you're a good enough batting team so like taking out the kind of lower level test teams that you know that they can't maintain for two days but if you can bat for four sessions four and a half sessions you're in the box seat in most test matches for me yeah, well, In a even, day-night test.
1: In any test match, if you manage to bat, bat for four and a half sessions, you've been well, in the but box that's,
2: But that's the thing is, like you say, it's really lifeless during the day with a pink ball, which makes it a bit easier to get through the first session, session and a half. All you need to do is face the adversity of one session under lights.
1: Well, ten overs with the new ball
2: under the lights, essentially, is and what I, you've got to deal with. And I reckon you win. You, you win the test more often than not, And there'd, there'd probably be statistics that have backed that up, and, I reckon. And
1: I think, I think in the case... In normal test cricket, that's still the same. Get through the new ball, bat through. You're going to have 10 overs at the end of the day with the new rock in stumps. like It's the same formula as yeah. a normal test match. I just think there's so much more life at nighttime than there is be interesting, though, during is- the day. So I think they need to find even- a way for the, the pink ball to do... I know it's scary because you get a new ball at night, it becomes almost unplayable. But I think they've got to find a way for the pink ball to be a bit more effective during the day without it being super, like a whole lot more effective at nighttime. Because I think that's, that's sort of it's not cricket we want to encourage, is where teams then start getting into this thing where they're just sort of surviving for two and a half sessions to get to the point where it actually becomes exciting. I mean, that's not the idea of yeah. behind um night. But even then,
2: if you bat first. Worst case scenario, you're more often than not going to be going to be bowling to a team under lights. Do you guys on the think it's,
0: it's how much
2: the pink ball is doing at night, or is it just hard for them to see? I think it's a combination of both because I remember, I remember a lot of the guys fielders. had a lot of input into it from, from, especially from Australia. They kind of had input into facing balls at twilight, how how different different it was with like that scope of bowling you can obviously do in Test cricket. Well, it's I've, so I've noticed difficult.
0: that fielders seem to struggle a little bit more, with the obviously glaring is, exception is, of but,
2: Steve Smith's catch. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's just it just seems really bizarre to me that's like they've worked so hard on the ball, they've tried to make everything so optimal for the batsmen still to score runs and still survive, and they're still struggling so much under lights. Like, yeah, it's. I, it's I just a different think, base. It's a completely I, different test match at night time, and I, you, that's when the second team's batting more often than not.
1: I don't think we need to go down the route that Warren was suggesting is having two balls for the test, so a new ball at each end to keep the ball. Oh God, no! Keep the ball alive for longer. I think that's a terrible idea. To be honest, I think that uh, once it, you get into that point, it almost becomes a separate. Yes, a separate. Um, it's like test one day at twenty twenty. Once you get into that point, I don't think it's it's. It's too far removed from test cricket to... like, yeah. at, the, at the moment, I think you're almost on that level where pink ball stats should almost be kept separately to red ball stats, but we're not going down there. A test match is a test match if it's played at night time and they're all kept yeah, the, same. You, it's well, the same. It's the same debate think, for
2: playing worse teams as well. I think,
1: well, I think if you're going to go down to the point of having two new balls, you're you almost getting to the point now where this is almost a completely different style of game to a test match where you've got to then start considering its own entity and then you, they mm. they don't go into the same... Statistical, you know, scorekeeping is. Yeah, the test but I think
0: it's always been like that. You know, like we we judge players from the pre-covered pitches era
2: by the same stats as as everyone else. But um, not necessarily. I'd, like you definitely don't judge the batsman from. The late 1800s, the same way you judge even Dodd and Bradman. Yeah, course, but
0: everyone's like still listed. Like, you know, like Victor Trumper probably would have been a whole lot
2: better statistically. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 guys, the, guys the guys that know better they, know better. They though, would be kept well. under
1: the same stats, but whether or not they should be because is the thing I'm getting there's not, at. There's, yeah. no,
2: there's no real Duckworth and Lewis system for the averages yeah. of guys pre or something like that. The other thing is, a, like in that. a
1: day-night
0: test, they're, they're never going to prepare a green top.
1: No, because of, that's why... Um, Adelaide gets it because Adelaide typically is a pitch that doesn't do a great deal.
2: Yeah. So that's the. Would you possibly limit the number of day night tests you can have in a series? Absolutely. I think that you should have no more than one day night test in a series. Because they were talking about possibly adding more, to, and to war, the point war, to the war, point where
1: Warren's hair suggestion was
2: make Adelaide and Melbourne but day were, night tests because were, they're the two most lifeless wickets. There was also an administrator from Australia who said, ideally, my mind is that we wouldn't mind having a lot, potentially every game a day night test. No, nah, that's ridiculous. It, it Util- is a bit of a cash grab, utter, isn't utter
1: it? pass-a-fast, fast that is. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, I, I like I like the day night test as something a bit different, but this is the traditional. This is traditional cricket. This is why you have one-day cricket and Twenty Twenty cricket. You want to have showboats at night time. That's what you got it for. Obviously, we're going down the the route now where we're just sort of livening Test cricket up. We're getting it at night time. The idea being that more people can get there because you know people got to work during the day and they can't make it to the ground. And it's a bit, you know, family friendly and all that sort of stuff. Get it, love it, cool. I'm okay with the concept. It's got a few teething pains. It's got to go through with making sure the ball is as fair or more fair during the day than at night time. But there is absolutely no way we should be going down the route of every game being a pink ball test. That's mm. um no it's, it's too tra- far
2: removed. It it's becomes a fourth format then yeah, it's, it, we, I'm, I'm, we barely have enough room for the well, three I'm, I'm the, cool the, the, you- the, even the bigger danger would be the, that the fact that the fourth format gets rid of the original format.
1: Yeah. yeah that that's would be true. A, um, I'm okay with if you say we had you know Pakistan played three and New Zealand played three at a t- a six test match summer I'm okay with two like a test in each of those series being a day night one that's fine one test one per test, series one
2: test maximum yeah I agree with that hundred percent
1: um I would be tempted to make the only exception to that being England, but we know that that's not going to be the case they're going to be pushing as hard as they can to get a day night test in for the ashes over here because Day night tests are massive money grabs because they're on during prime time for television. I thought you meant daylight
2: test over in England it's basically night time there when during the I day. Know, most I don't of know time. how I don't know how they It doesn't matter what with. time they, they do it. I there. thought they were all day night tests over. There.
1: <laughs> the night session just be washed out. <laughs> um, but no like I we I don't think they should. I think that should stay as pure and as close to the original format as it possibly can. Agreed. But they won't because there's too much money in it. You get to you get the cricket on during prime time hours. yet ideally more people coming to the game. So they definitely, they're definitely going to go down the route having a day-night test sooner rather than later for the Ashes. And I would be astonished if there wasn't one in the next series. But. Um, my personal preference is they're all five day
2: games, and you can just see the ground the, the grounds now queuing up, and I, I hope it stays Adelaide because Adelaide's the incumbent, and Adelaide's done the best job with the day night test. But I think all over the world, it's it's probably the, at least the kind of where people aim to be at with their day night tests. I don't I don't but
1: mind any. I think Boxing Day is. A, shouldn't be a day night test no, God yeah, no
2: it's steeped in tradition that one is uh, what, do you, what do you do during the day on boxing day till the day night test starts i, I got to go hang out
1: with my family exactly. then exactly cricket doesn't start till 2 you can come and hang out with your aunt and uncle i time this
2: mm. really well we go to the Boy. movies during the day and then by the time that the second session rolls around it's all it's all me yeah or even and that, that, a, and that's a, that's been a massive concession for me concession wow! Yeah. I have like my family makes me hang out with them. Oh, like, I I'm under duress. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's been, it's been rule for eight. was like, we're going to go and do something as a family. That's great. Is there a TV where we're going? No. Well, I'll see you when you get back.
0: Yep. I'll see you at the Panthers. <laughs> the other the other risk is that you could get dragged to the Boxing Day sales,
2: guys. I oh, mean, they, no. I know, no. We're all, I know we're all laughing, but this is serious. Me and Az have done a lot of time in retail and Boxing Day sales. If you're not working, like, wh- why would you go there? Why, like, Why would you put yourself through that?
1: Mm. All those people that go to Boxing Day sales are a reason why places where I work are open and I despise oh, all
2: disgusting. of you. <sighs> Anyways, yes. we're, we're, digre- we're digressing
1: quite a lot. Um, yeah, I, 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 in answer to your question, I'm happy with the format of day-night cricket. I don't think it needs to be um, yeah, expanded limited. on too much. I think they need to put a cap on how extensive it reaches. Um, I think also they need to tweak the ball a little bit. I don't think it's doing enough for teams during the day, but um, I think it's a rousing success so far, the, uh, the pink ball. The day-night test is, yeah. is it, here to stay. Um, but it's doing a good job.
2: Unlike um, this 2020 thing, I think just keep it as a novelty. That's what I'd yeah, really like. But it, it should, it, there there are signs that are worrying, though.
1: Yeah, I, I don't even mind there being sort of a rotating thing where every ground gets a go. I don't think Melbourne should get it. I think that should be... Fiercely traditional, and to be honest, I don't know how Sydney would go hosting a pink ball test, considering that the crowd largely wears pink. I think that might be a consideration. They get in there being the yeah, the sit them test. right behind the bowler. <laughs> um,
0: they, they're um, not going to move like um, They know the game. They're not going to move late. Well, I actually
1: saw all the sky
2: at- catches would be worried about. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I, like I'm happy with the concept. Um, I think it's great. I think it's, it's better great than for the, the game. blue ball test. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You'd have, to, have you'd have to, you'd have to elaborate have on that one for me, Glenn. I don't understand that reference. Isn't
1: that what all, the, uh, all of the wives and girlfriends of um, cricket fans everywhere suffer when it's on because <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no attention. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, it's hard to last the five days.
1: <laughs> uh, that's, so, that's
2: the five days after the test for most blokes because <laughs> you haven't spoke to your missus for that long. <laughs> We're, so, we're getting silly.
1: It's silly season. Oh, God. It's a festive oh season. So looking, Wheels are
2: falling off, guys. Looking
1: forward. All right. So we've obviously got some injury concerns um, coming out. So some changes to the squad. Um, I'm assuming we're, we're of the assumption that Trent Bott will come straight in for... Um, yeah, it's a pretty Rocky easy Ferguson, one for them. Um, provided but he's the, uh, recovered. Apparently, he the, was pretty close. It was He wasn't far away from playing in the first test. So he'd be pretty close. Uh, I suppose the only other consideration oh, is... Oh, the irony. ...is... Um, whether or not they do persist with Jeet Raval. I don't think they've got a specialist opener in their squad. Apparently so the backup keeper Blund- tends to open. Blundell, yeah. is that his name?
2: Yeah, uh James. Yeah, but um, are you are you going um, no not James. <laughs> are you going for a bit of a um makeshift position there? You want a specialist guy. Like it's Well that's that's the only other player that they've got in their squad. They
1: haven't none of their specialist openers seem to do anything. So uh, I think New Zealand's at the point, considering the amount of failures that Raval's had over these Last sort of few goes out at it. That maybe you've just got to give
2: someone a go and just see if see if it sticks. Mm. Well, it's it's going to be interesting what Melbourne deals up for starters. But I think it, it, it's no, there's no reason to kind of go a bit fancy with your batting lineup. Be like just it, it seems a bit too left of center for me. Just kind of why not just have a traditional opener if it's a flatter deck like we're thinking it'll be because hopefully they haven't dealt up that god awful deck from last time. Um, it'll just it, it, it should be all right for a guy to get runs on and give him a crack. At the end of the day, I mean...
1: If Ravel, doesn't, if Ravel sticks in and um, if they lose doesn't test, score any runs, he can't Ravel. play in Sydney.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah.
1: But if, if they do decide to give him one more go on a pitch, they're thinking is going to be a little bit more traditional, you know, red ball test, bit flatter, should be more batsman friendly. Let's give him one more go. If he fails at Melbourne, I can't see how New Zealand, in all seriousness, don't try something for yeah. Sydney.
2: And, and that's the, the problem. The series is gone. Um, The really worrying part was the fact that it wasn't under lights. It wasn't pink ball cricket that got him out. It was just hard bowling back of a length by Stark that got yeah, him out. Yeah, he
1: didn't look like he was it did, it wasn't even. He didn't even
2: look like he was going to hit the stumps. He just kind of just fended at it because he was worried.
0: The only um, other op- – they have brought a uh, two-metre tall quick bowler named Jameson in. Did you see
1: that? I haven't seen that. No, yeah, so that must be the replacement for Ferguson.
0: Yeah, giant guy. Um, I don't know whether he's quick, but – You'd imagine that he play, would... So, play balls off spin. so he's going to be... Is
2: he going to be injury cover for the injury cover from the guy who got injured?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, like, you've, you've got to have all bases I want wonder,
2: I, wonder I wonder how torn up his hamstrings are, then because it's just getting worse and worse for him, obviously. The yeah, they're like those, you know, when you really pull a string and it starts to fray, they're just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nah, it, it's pretty rough though But yeah, it just seemed a bit ironic That yeah, Bolt was close But he wasn't close enough to. I don't think you'll play it's, it's
0: one of those like We're watching you, mate You're, we're, you're doing a good job oh, well, well, the Speaking the of
1: moving to the Aussies I am oh, livid with what has happened For the <laughs> Australian selections There is just no conceivable way That this selection makes sense So Hazelwood clearly is out So who have we called in? Anyone want to have a guess? Old Father Time himself, Peter Siddle is look, in the squad. What's most irritating about this he is, is you almost banana man. You almost, if you're going to pick Peter Siddle, you almost have to play him. Why otherwise would you not pick a young player to come into the squad and have a look at? It's well, his
2: fielding. His fielding. Here's the <laughs> <fielding>. only conceivable <laughs> other reason is. Did you guys they've watch quoted, that? Watch that session break? Well, it wasn't quoted, even a break. It was during the game where where Trent Bolt was talking about mixing up bloody Gatorade. They were just literally interviewing him. It's like, so, mate, you're just mixing up Gatorade. I you do a pretty good job. It's like, you make slushies and stuff. It was so ridiculous. It's like, maybe maybe Peter Siddle does that. Maybe, oh, maybe he makes if, a nice Gatorade Because That's if, the only other reason, if look,
1: look at it, If you look at it this way, if you pick Peter Siddle to just run the drinks, to be in the squad, why isn't that a Jai Richardson, a Sean Abbott – uh, a Riley Meredith, someone like that they can have a look at. Getting the we saw Warnie, last year. Warning
2: is desperate for Riley Mar- Meredith. We saw Meredith last year when something. Peter Sittle's the only guy up to field for you. He can't friggin' catch. He's a What's the go with
1: that? So it doesn't make sense to have Peter Siddle <laughs> in running the drinks. So it's a bad move to get him into the squad if he's just there to be in the squad. I heard Justin Langer say something about local knowledge. The curator doesn't have knowledge about what the pitch is doing. Like, how would Peter Siddle have any idea what this pitch is doing when no one knows what it's doing? That's the big unknown. So local knowledge um, caveat is just utter bullshit. Maybe he's actually
2: shipping in the drop-in wicket.
1: So if you pick Siddle (laughs) and he's not going to run, like – you're picking Siddle, then he almost should be playing because why else would you pick him? Because you should be picking a young guy, which means what's the point of having Nisa and um, Pattinson in the squad if you're going to then pick another guy to replace it's, your run on doesn't the, James, James It's Pattinson. just but, garbage. But the, it's,
2: the flow on from that is even he's literally... They've, they've, they've come out and said now that James Pattinson's almost a lock for the team.
1: It's just... I, because, they're, they're well, like are talking say, about running, if the MCG is running with a really flat deck like it has in the last few years, they're entertaining the possibility of dropping a batsman to play four genuine quicks, which I don't think is entirely unreasonable. I think that's a great idea. But if that's the case, it should be Pattinson and Nisa. Yeah. It, it should sh- not be Siddle. What a horrible message they're sending. I'm sorry, I'm on my soapbox. No, I'm that, this is am really, apologize. I'm really about angry this. about
2: right. this because... This is a very apt.
1: Because it's clearly because... Justin Langer is really good friends and a really big fan of Peter Siddle. But you know what? He's an old goddamn man now. He's had his time in the sun. It is time for Australia to be looking at some of these young bowlers. The stable is now. no reason to pick Siddle. If he's only there to fill a gap in the squad and you're going to go with Nisa or Pattinson, then that should have been a young bowler so you can have a look at him. If you're going to pick him in to play in the side, then that's bloody rubbish as well because you've already had two quicks in the squad who are bowling better than Siddle. Yeah. Nisa has bowled, taken more wickets this Sheffield season at a better average in less games. Is it going to cost well, him money as well because he's a striker? Like, he should be playing for the strikers right now. I don't think he? they yeah. get match payments. I think they get a contract for the whole also, thing. Also, how, yeah, okay, how well did right.
0: Nessa uh, field as 12th man? Nessa
1: was an absolute it weapon in the field. He was
2: <laughs> Like, uh, like you, are you guys handy with, with bloody, like, you know, editing photos, doing a meme or something all like that. I can, because all I can think Michael of. Michael Nisa is like, he is officially now the guy in the back of the class is going, pick me, pick me. Because yeah. dead set, he he's- is doing everything right and he's still being overlooked by this bloody team. The
1: only thing I can think of is that. Peter Siddle has worked on some oral skills with all those bananas he's been eating because there is no other bloody way he should be in that team. Those are
2: some tasty bananas. If
1: you can't tell, listeners, I am livid with this choice because it smacks of a, a selection panel that for years has not done the smart thing or anything forward thinking. It's been the good old boys club. And picking players because is, they're good. Like Sean Marsh and Mitchell Marsh have not been test quality players for almost the entirety of their career, but we keep getting fed the same crap. These guys are good blokes. You is, couldn't ask for better blokes on the team. You know what? All I could ask for is someone who could actually play some goddamn cricket.
2: Is um is Mitchell is um sorry is is Peter Siddle. Uh the, one of the ones that we lay on George Bailey's doorstep yet, or is that George Bailey isn't
1: officially a selector as of yet? He needs to well, finish get his in commitments there, George. For the yeah. mates. Yeah, well, he
2: yeah, I mean, he came he out. Won't, and- he won't pick mates of his. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> well, that, is, but- that is the big issue I have with George Bailey is that he's pretty close to you know he still he still knows people in the shield setup, but hopefully he can put that aside. Unlike Justin Langer, can apparently.
1: No, that's the same reason Bancroft still keeps getting looked at. Bancroft has been. Just a disaster since he
2: was dropped. He won. He, he won have many the, premierships with him for with the, the BBL. for
1: Sandpaper Gate. He hasn't God. scored any runs since Sandpaper Gate because, except for that one test in the intra squad, that one intra squad game was but the there, only run he but scored. But There was a justification, and, but playing like, likes Bancroft, him because he's so. the hardest working guy in Shield cricket. But he, or he should. To, he needs to be hard working because he's crap at cricket. He
2: he, he had just there was, there, he had justification for for Bancroft. There was slight justification, but there is. It is. It does did stink a bit of nepotism, but. Peter Siddle is just, there is no justification for it at all, as has been a jest.
1: It's just, I pretty
0: much agree. You're not going to get any argument. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, the problem is we're all just want, kind of yelling at the open air
2: because we all agree about it. It's just so like, ridiculous. I need like to get it off my, my chest. Aker, man.
1: <laughs> you guys are Uh-oh. like my therapist. I need to like, it's yeah. just. And, and even to the hurts. point
2: where, where Jimmy Pattinson's playing, which we, I don't think none of us hold anything really against James Pattinson, but.
1: Michael Nessa,
2: like I say, he is just perpetually being overlooked by this I, team. I'm,
1: I'm happy for Pattinson to play. He's got a great yeah. record of the that MCG. One. His test record in general's good. He's you know Since bouncing back from the injury, he's been pretty good. Like He's got some pretty good stats. He destroyed county cricket. Happy for Pattinson to be there. I want Nessa to be there because I think he deserves it more. But picking Pattinson, you're not going to go wrong either. They're both already in the squad. There's yeah, reasons for them to both be there. That's fine. Yeah. Why they've gone to Siddle... Is a waste of a spot you'd be having a look at someone who's like, Where's Agar? Where's Agar has been killing it for South Australia, who have been rubbish this year? He's taken five more wickets yeah. than Peter Siddle. Harry you, Conway. You, you, you
2: could name off. what Harry likes.
1: Conway is averaging 12 with the ball and has taken more wickets than Peter Siddle. Why aren't these guys coming in and having a look? If they're just there to like if you're just picking Peter Siddle to be the third quick. In line, and wh- wh- what a waste of a spot. Yeah, why aren't and- they, why they,
2: they, These guys are bowling at the top-level players in Australia. Wh- like, Why can't it be a young bloke? Yeah, a young exactly. bloke with some potential. Who's
1: already doing better than Siddle is at the moment. Whereas you pick Siddle in, he's taking up a young bloke spot, which is the wrong move. So you're picking Siddle to not take up a young bloke spot because you want him in the team, which is the wrong move because you've already got two quicks that deserve to be there in the squad. There is no way, there is no justification for this pick that makes sense. It is a bad choice. Even if Siddle comes out and takes Pfeiffer and scores 20 odd with the bat, I'm still going to be furious because he should never have been picked. We all know Siddle is class. He's taken 200-odd test wickets in his career. But he's he's done. He's over it now. There are better bowlers in the system. He shouldn't be there. And he's just there because he's good mates with the old guard. And I'm just – I'm over it.
2: And, well, and that's probably a good point. a good time to just kind of throw out there just – yeah, if you disagree with us at all, like – Let us know. If you disagree with this, if there's something that we're glaringly missing, then throw it out there because we're quite quite happy to not be contradicted because I don't think anyone disagrees with this theory.
0: I want to find someone to play devil's advocate. I'm not game to do it. I'm sitting in the same room as (laughs) (laughs) as.
1: Like all respect (laughs) to Siddle. Siddle has had a phenomenal career for Australia and he's bowled his heart out in arguably the weakest point of Australia's bowling modern history. Like he went through a period where we couldn't find any bowlers that could stay healthy or do no, a good job and still yeah. did a great job in that period. His, his job was, was to no, clean up
2: Johnson's mess for a lot of series as well. No
1: doubting his ability, no doubting his commitment to the cause. But the fact is when he first started, he was a bowler that ran in and hit 142 all day, every day. Bowled you, you know, four really good balls, one ball you hit for four and one and jaffo. Then and then he an became a It was feet. kind of like,
0: like our New Zealand are using Wagner.
1: And now he's a guy that bowls Barely one thirty-five. He's a bit more accurate, but does it not that much more accurate? He's rubbish in the field. His time is done. There are better bowlers than Peter Siddle in Shield cricket. It's just, oh. I reckon you could pick
0: one bowler from each of the six states who would be better than Siddle. And every Siddle single is reason the, behind it would Siddle be more justified. Siddle is the third best
1: quick for Victoria. You would pick Tremaine and Pattinson before you'd pick Siddle. That's true. Tremaine's
0: having a great run. You'd pick in the long format. I'd pick.
1: There's four New South Wales bowlers I'd pick: Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood, Conway. They're all guys I would pick before. I do pick
2: Copeland over Copeland. I'd, <laughs> I'd pick Hazelwood over him at this point, and he's injured.
1: <laughs> you probably you probably be the if he played for Queensland, he'd probably be the second Queensland I'd pick after Neeson. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and and you got to think about. The The message that that sends the guy.
1: Especially if he plays. If Siddle yeah. plays, that is a disgraceful message to send. What is the point of carrying me around, running drinks out to you guys for but three is, test matches? Do you reckon that's part gonna, of the reasoning
2: as well, as they're sitting there going, oh, these boys want to play some 2020. Like, the, every no, single line of reasoning you, you go have, down is just ridiculous. I would get be, a young guy in there. Get him bowling at the best players in the world. I would be
1: utterly astonished if
2: Nisa was going...
1: I'm really keen to go back and play for the strikers. Any chance no, you but could call? Still he's still, up in, the, he's for still me? in the squad though. Yeah, but I mean, like, so if they're sitting there bringing up Siddle, like, I don't think either Pattinson or Nisa are keen to go and play for their big bash no. sides. But if maybe, they could be playing but maybe cricket. like
2: Jai or maybe you know Conway or all these guys that, that you know should be in the conversation. Maybe he's sitting there being. But there's no. I would be like, mesmerised. It'd be, it'd be in, like
1: I don't think we're at that point yet where you're going to turn down a baggy green so you could go and play big bash. Yeah. I'd be I'd be horrified if that was the case where they're just like you know overlook me because I've got a I've got a big maybe, comp to win. maybe
2: it is just purely a squad thing It's, it's, it's need to purely have a Langer squad. likes Siddle yeah
1: Siddle shouldn't have gone to England like that's how past that Siddle is like yeah Siddle did a great job while he was over there he hung around with Smith long enough which undoubtedly got us the first test but Siddle was the wrong choice to having that squad back then like he hasn't got mm. any better since then like it's just ugh.
2: I don't, oh, I'm getting on like a lot of the stuff we've kind of touched on about England in this podcast cuz you talk about if we had they had had a bowling sub in that game we probably would have lost that test as well um yeah if, his, history always backs the winners and we won that one so yeah, don't yeah. looking about it too hard and then and then Peter Siddle should have been in that oh,
0: like, like oh, well, yeah, we we, we had to get overheadingly so we can have that one i reckon yeah yeah
1: <laughs> all right so moving from there so that's you know I'm kind of interested to see how the pitch turns. I think this is going to be a pitch that will certainly – the pitch is what's going to play into the selections. I don't think the Australians really know what what they're doing. Um, There was talk of potentially going with an all-rounder, but Mitch Marsh still looks like he's recovering from an injury, so I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be they're going to go with the three quicks and a spinner with Travis Head, or the other alternative will be if the pitch is looking like it's going to be a road, they will entertain going with five batsmen, four bowlers – and uh,
0: I can tell you now, it won't happen. It's it's too bold of a selection for those guys. Yeah, they won't do it. They, they only be... they only like giving ridiculous uh, nepotistic. Well, it's we, not quite we, nepotism because it's not the same we family. Threw it out you know last what I mean? Year.
2: It just seems to be they pick a spinner or they they put a spinner in the conversation just to sell a bit of paper. Yeah. Well, get a few likes on your page or something, whatever whatever the terminology is now for media getting Un- traffic.
0: Unfortunately it looks like they'll they'll throw Siddle in straight for Hazelwood and stay the same. Um
1: I'll I hope yeah. they do Nessa. Listen listen to the first podcast after New Year's if that's what they if Siddle goes in in <laughs> Hazelwood, you don't want to miss episode one of two thousand and twenty. I it'll, guarantee it'll you, be, it will <laughs> be fantastic. I, I would it'll be interesting if it.
2: Aaron survives the um <laughs> the aneurysm he's gonna I'll, have. I'll have, I'll have two that.
1: weeks because we'll obviously we we'll, our first podcast will probably be after the New Year's test, I'd imagine. So I'll have some time to to process it. So I'm either yeah. going to be incredibly bitter or I'll have gotten over it, but I can get, I'm going to, I'm leaning towards bitter. Um, yeah. well, I think, yeah, well, that's a pretty, we've summarized the test pretty well. Uh, I think New Zealand have really got, um, some things they got to work on moving forward because they were thoroughly outplayed in that pink ball test. Uh, we're getting to a bit more of an even keel in a regular red ball test. So it will be good to see if New Zealand bounce back. They've got some things to work on, but they are welcoming back Trent Bolt. So that's going to be, um, big for them. um, Moving forward now, I think it's time that we uh, dust out, get our homework out of our school bags, and we'll go and have a chat about the uh, middle order of our most enjoyable-to-watch 11. All that is coming right up. He's got him! Knocked him
0: over! The pressure was too much!
1: <laughs> Scotty?
2: Oh, we'll I'll start, start again! Yeah, am we'll I start with
1: you? We'll go oh, around. Let's go. So, uh, contra- are we going four, five, six? Four, 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 oh, do we want? If you guys thought about keepers, have you got a keeper in? What, well, a seven, I should say, because you were alluding that maybe your keeper might not have been in. So you want to do four, five, six, or do you want four, five, six, seven, and leave bowlers for the next podcast?
2: Let's do four, five, six, seven.
1: Four, five, six, seven. All right. Four, five, six, seven. Scotty, number four. Oh, actually, we'll all recap for those you may not have heard. Scotty opened up. His two most enjoyable openers he's ever watched were Kumar Sangakkara and Hashim Amla. I think think
2: Hashim Amla takes the new ball. Okay,
1: he's facing the new rock. Um, For those of you that might be going, what? Uh, They have opened a collective 11 times between them. They have faced...
2: um, But you're not not even mentioning Hashim Amla, the fact that Hashim Amla opened in ODIs his entire career, basically.
1: Adam Gilchrist opened in ODIs, and he batted at seven, so... Do you reckon
2: Gilly for another country might have opened as well? In test he could have made a case I don't know, for I don't it. reckon he would have been a test opener. He... Well, he's, he's, no, he's no bigger hack than Verinda Saywag or Sanath Jai Saria or any of those guys. Yeah, but he's also got to keep Wicket. So Just just opening your mind a little bit, guys. Broadening um. the horizons a bit.
1: Scotty's <laughs> <laughs> rationale was that they have opened Wicket, opened the batting before, so therefore uh, could be test openers. No, my, my, enough, rationale, my rationale is,
2: is that I believe that they could open a batting in a team and still... Be a competitive team. I'm, I'm not going to throw a team together that's not going to win the game. We
1: all know it's because Scotty ran out of spots for the batsmen he wanted to pick. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a lot of batsmen I
2: like, and I'm going to try to get them. all. Them okay. and, and, and Rahul four, Dravid. Five, six.
1: Rahul Dravid was his number three, and so there's Scotty- also
2: a multicultural flavour. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is not the this is not the episode where there's a multicultural flavour. Number four. So coming mm. in after Rahul Dravid, number four is Ricky Ponting. Ooh, okay, yep, cool, yep. love him. I mean, the, he- the, the guy literally he. He was just a joy to watch for so many years of my childhood. Um, look, like if we're going to go into his career, he probably has played on a bit too long, but he did it. He did that purely for unselfish reasons, just what? to kind of keep the team as. On, on an even keel most of the time, I guess.
1: I had Ponting at three for mine, so we've talked about it. You've talked about it a lot. 13,000 test runs, yep. average over 50, 40-odd test hundreds, one of the best fielders that's ever played, uh, not, one of the most winningest captains of all time. He's just I'm, a complete I'm, class act.
2: I'm, I'm not going to lie. This this was the easiest part of my to, my uh, team lineup, and hence yeah. why I kind of oh, strayed away from centre.
1: Mine was the hardest. This is oh, the hate no, of this. this.
2: This was so easy for me. There, like There was one guy who I would love to get in there, but... You know, hence the like international flavour of the can team. I, can I only of. pick 11, so. Yeah, exactly. So the next guy I had was um, Steve Smith. Steve Smith at five. With, yep. With a little asterisk because he's the only guy on my team so far that's still playing currently. And look, love watching him play. Up until recently, he's kind of hit a bit of a rough patch at the moment, but the guy is still just a run machine. Um, and then the next bloke is uh, Mr. Michael Clark. Just, he was like the previous podcast, favourite. Favorite Australian player of all time for me, well, that I got to watch as well, and yeah, so he had to be in my team. And well, three captains of Australia, right there, three great leaders, three great, three amazing fielders as well, oh, mate. Absolutely, like this, th- and that's the thing is this this lineup is is looking pretty good as far as the field settings go, even. Um, and, and then seven, and then number seven is. I mean, how can you go past him, Adam Gilchrist?
1: Is that he's keeping wicket for you?
2: Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Kumar's yeah. pretty good, but he averaged better when he didn't have the gloves and he's make, opening as well. Just
1: making sure, Glenn just asked I'd you. Just thought i lighten the load a bit. <laughs> Glenn asked you in the last episode if Kumar was keeping Wicket and you sort of were a little coy, so I was just confirming yep. that that's what you're doing. Yep. You yep. You're a bit of, saw, you know, threw us some curveball the last episodes, just making I mean, sure there was no other antics just going work, on.
2: Just working on being some kind of personality <laughs> in the media. <laughs> Throw well, a little bit of gamesmanship in there. Well, yeah, we can't argue with that. Three, yeah, like I say, pick pick this this part was the part that I picked first, and hence why I kind of had to go a bit more international with my top order and my and to an extent my lower order as well.
1: And and for those of you that are, might be jumping up and down, going they're all Australian. Well, we've never we've never shied away from the fact that we are green and gold Australian fans. We've watched Australia far more than we've watched any other team. So. You're going to have to forgive us that some of the most enjoyable players that we've ever seen are Australian. Yeah, we've seen and, a lot more and, of them.
2: And, I, like, honestly, look, the the, the really – like, the, there's other guys in there. Obviously, you Brian Lara's and guys like that are, are in the conversation. I don't want to kind of eat away from your guys' teams too much in, the, in that respect. But, yeah, these guys were um, just – like, there's nothing but positive memories from those – well, especially – well, from all four of those guys, just watching them play. You know, there were rough times, but – I can't think of any because I just loved watching him play all the time.
1: Also, well, in a recap: Amla, Sangakara, Dravid, Ponting, Smith, Clark, and, and Gilchrist.
2: Christ. It's a fair team. That's a fair batting lineup. And like I say, the field you got—you got a first slip in there. You got a second slip. You got like an offside field that can't be beaten. Still, like it's it's gone pretty well for me I think no runs on those arms
1: all right so we'll get to mine my uh, openers from the last episode were Chris Gale and Graham Smith and my number three was Ricky Ponting so I had them in, him in my side um yeah I like Gale. um you know like I said in the last podcast bit of attitude about him bit of swagger you know he's renowned as a, a big hitter he' puts fear into the bowlers worldwide but he also has three oh, two test triple centuries and a, an opening batting record that's average over forty two. So he was a fair player and he, in his, you know, his prime before uh, internal politics at the West Indies sort of changed it around. So he deserved to be there. Graham Smith, absolute titan of the game, um, captain um, South Africa for a long time. Scored whenever he scored a hundred. South Africa won. Just a phenomenal player. And as we've said, Ricky Ponting, you know, it goes without saying, just phenomenal. Oh, Can't talk enough about him. Um, coming in at four for me is. Steven Smith. Um my opinion will go down as the second best batsman since Bradman. The guy is just a freak to watch, especially considering when he was first came in, he came in as a, a leg spinner at 8. You know, didn't do a good enough job at that. Went away and just did his own thing, fashioned his own game how he was comfortable scoring runs. Um is scoring runs at a rate that no one has seen since Don Bradman. It is phenomenal to watch. Um, since returning to the side as a batsman, um, he's averaging over 75. Um, he returned to the side as a batsman in 2013. So that's six years he's been averaging 75. This isn't just sort of a purple patch. This is this is the norm for Steve Smith, the batsman now. Um, he's got an average, including his failed attempt at being a leg spinner, of 63. So when you take in those tests that he played where he was batting at eight and sort of struggling to find his identity – He's still, it's only better. he's still the second-best batsman in terms of averages ever, I think. I don't think anyone's got a higher average than 65. I'd have no. to double-check. I think he's a second-best average. Um, so, yeah, he's still got another 13 innings to be the second-fastest person to 27 test hundreds. Um, great fielder, just
2: phenomenal cricketer. Great mind of the game as well.
1: Um, number five for me... Um, uh, this one was difficult because uh, number six I already had locked in. Um, I knew who that was going to be. Um, number five, I went through so many. Um, I had guys, you know, Kevin Peterson. I had, had Michael Hussey. He was very close to getting this spot. Um, Brian Lara. Um, yeah, there was just so many great middle order players. Kumar Sangakkara. I even thought about in that spot as well. That I just wanted to cram in, but I've gone with um, AB de Villiers. Yeah, um, right. He's a phenomenal batsman. Probably retired before his time. We've seen the damage that he can do in short form cricket. But for every you know thirty ball hundred that he's capable of scoring, he's also capable of scoring two hundred and fifty ball thirties to save games. Um, an absolutely flawless technique. Uh, can score all around the ground, fantastic fielder, even happy to put the gloves on if you need it. Um, just I, I remember Johnson in his prime just coming off that spell, that series against England and Australia where he tormented everyone, went over to South Africa, did the same thing, cleaned up basically their top order except for De Villiers. De Villiers came out, I think he was batting at four, Johnson gave him a ball like Ten minutes before that, he'd smashed Amla in the face, like in the grill with a cricket ball with a bouncer that was just reared off a length. Bowled basically the same ball at the Villiers. The Villiers got up on his toes, just rode it down, looked completely at ease, just flayed his way to like an effortless 90 and only got out because Australia cleaned up the rest of the lineup and he started going after the Australian bowlers. Like I was just – like it wasn't even 100 that he'd scored and I was mesmerized because this is Johnson – making life horrible and that's the in thing. the same game for the rest of the, the South African batsmen. And here's Davilius just looking completely at ease against a guy that not only had destroyed South Africa, but had just come off a series where he destroyed England. Like He, he was, was he a, was
2: a man of all seasons. He literally would come in and he would just go... like He, he wouldn't just play defensive. There were some great defensive innings he played. He, was, he, he could do that, but he could also put the onus back on the bowler. Like... Yeah, Mitchell, you're in good form. You're killing it. You're everything you're bowling is looking really good, but you still you can still bowl a bad ball, and I'm going to put you away when you do. And he's he was just so, like, and there it, was no one who had was. more time at the crease he, than, did, than A.B. De like, Villiers.
1: Coming off, I don't even remember him. Like, I'm sure I'm looking at it, it. was a few years ago now. I'm looking at it through rose-coloured glasses. I don't even remember him playing and missing mm. or edging anything. Just, everything just seemed to hit the middle of the bat, and I was like, how is this possible that the Australians are on top of everyone else in this team? And De Villiers is just in that good a nick that he's coming out and making this look like a pop gun attack. Like it was just – yeah, it was it was scary to watch as a fan of the other team, but just something that you just couldn't help but respect the class of the guy coming out to play. He, so
2: Even in the Sandpaper Gate um, South Africa tour, he was the same kind of thing. We, yeah, we were taking the tip top order of- away and he was just keeping that team together. He, arguably – well, he probably was the, the guy who just stopped south africa from losing that series quite convincingly and i think at i
1: think south, south africa obviously plays less test cricket than england india australia i think if they were playing the same amount of tests that um well they played the same amount of tests that australia england and india had played through his whole career he'd have much higher batting stats and you'd be really be starting to talk about as some of the one of the, like well, he already is talked about as one of the best players of this generation but i I feel these sort of like the afterthought because if you look at his total numbers and you know he hasn't hit ten thousand runs or any like sort of milestones that you usually attribute to genuinely world like elite players, and I think that's due to the fact he hasn't played as many games. And I think you know if he play if he played for if he played for England or if he played for Australia, he'd be right up there and like being talked about in the all time. Yeah, all time record. Well, he should definitely
2: be in that conversation. I he guess.
1: should be, and yeah. I think that's why people sort of don't think about him as much, is because when you look at his numbers in a vacuum, you're looking at a guy that's got about eight thousand test runs or nine thousand test runs. I'd have to look it up, and doesn't quite have the hundred like the, the the sheer amount of hundreds that you would think that would go towards you know sort of players like you look at Callis, who's got forty and um, you know Ponting who's got forty and Tendulkar who's got fifty and all it like he just doesn't have that. Massive accumulation of stats because he hasn't played as many games. I think if he was playing those, you know, 100-odd test matches, he'd be on probably, what, 12 13,000 runs, um, and he'd be get talked about a whole lot more. So A.B. de Villiers will come in at five for my team. And number six, a bit like you, um, big fan of him. I've also got Michael Clarke. Um, like I've already said, the guy is came out, absolute prodigy starting got found out went away worked hard came back um probably had two or three years of the middle of his career where he was the best player on the planet um or the best batsman on the planet when taking away anything from the bowlers um you know there are a lot of people that have the tractors about his his personal skills as captain but there's no doubting his skills as a tactician he he Um, came in as
2: a real like kind of he was that real million dollar player to start, and everyone was like, "Oh, he's just kind of a bit of a show pony." Yeah, you blah, could blah. tell there was a, but he really broke that like like idea by the end of his career, where he, like you know oh, the, 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 the the two beginnings that stand out was were one of his last ones in that Adelaide game where he the Phil Hughes innings, yeah, where his his back was just ruined. He like God knows what kind of preparation. Like you get a kind of idea into where he didn't really sleep well the night before, and he was just kind of. You know, would have had like physio non-stop during that whole like nighttime period, and then he came back out to bat the next day. Could you know he wasn't moving his feet at all? He was still playing every ball. He was yeah. still he still managed to score a hundred. He lived um, and breathed for that baggy green. And, and, you know, and say the,
1: what you like about his incident, you know, oh yeah, the Lara Bingle period or the Simon Caddick period or anything like that, or the time when he was a selector that everyone seems to get upset with him about. You cannot say that he wasn't one hundred percent focused. Yeah. or making a, being the best player slash captain he could be for the Australian
2: cricket team, and it's a really rare player that kind of you know they come into a into a fan base, and the fan base is a bit you're you're something different, so we don't really like we're a bit standoffish towards you, and he really broke us down as a country. Like, don't get me wrong, like us us boys growing up. We were younger, so we kind of did, yeah, we yeah. weren't we weren't as against we him as what other yeah, people We affiliated would
1: ourselves with him because yeah. he was that young guy, yeah. that role model. Company. So it was a lot See, easier uh, for us.
2: I was never with him. I, I
0: I never really even turned on him. I was I always just was of the yeah, hundred percent. That that's that's where we're at. But it's just this
2: like, old this you young whippersnapper. <laughs> yeah, it was the, the old the, like the, the, the kind of the older guard who would just been following cricket. He just kind of.
1: And he's played some absolutely phenomenal innings in Australia. It's like, do you remember the game against South Africa where um, oh, we were yeah. rolled for 320 or something and he scored 150 runs yeah. of that on a, on a wicket that was doing heat because we then rolled South Africa for 90 in the next innings and then we got we rolled for
2: 40 Yeah, let, let's not mention that. Well. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, it was oh, just...
1: The, the innings against Centurion a couple of years later where he broke his shoulder in a Dale Steyn, Mornay Morkel, bouncer barrage, and he just refused to get out and end up scoring 160. Yeah, that was that was that, the other
2: innings I was going to allude to as that, well. Just, that
1: yeah. run where he scored what three double hundreds and a triple hundred in sort of a 12 month span. Like the guy just, again, I reckon if he um didn't have to deal with the amount of back issues that he had, he was a guy that was probably good for another couple of years, and again would be in that ten thousand run plus club that we sort of hold in really high regard. So, yeah, can't say enough for Michael Clarke. There's obviously some opinions out there, some detractors of his and the way he's conducted himself, but I'm not one of them. I think he's been a great servant for Australian cricket. Um, and again, copying you, um, I nearly went Sangakara for this spot as my wicketkeeper, um, but I couldn't go past Adam Gilchrist, the guy's um, entertainment personified uh, can take games away in a session, that fifty six ball hundred against England at the Wacker, like just a guy that like what a strike rate of eighty five, batting at seven. You know, you get through, you got Australia five down, and you're like, we're on our way here, we're doing good. Then Gilchrist comes out and blasts, you know, quick quick fire eighty or a hundred, or even that innings against Pakistan in Hobart, where he basically won the game for us with Justin Langer, like the guy he He's arguably the most important player that has ever played cricket other than possibly Bradman. He has literally redefined wicket keepers for
2: for for cricket. I mean I was thinking about this the other day though as well, as far as the alternate argument as well, is that he's you're watching BJ Watling play, he's might have actually damaged the game of cricket by how good he was as well. Because Everyone is trying to now pick a slogger at, at, as a keeper. Well, I don't know and about to it. the point where Johnny, we got guys like Johnny Besto who have to keep for teams because know they about just want a run scorers. Per se. Well, not, I know that yeah. was definitely and,
1: uh, a, a target. That's a poor
2: choice of words. It's definitely, it was, it's it was a, a batsman. They were yeah, trying to pick a batsman.
1: Well, kind of not necessarily even a batsman. They wanted a guy that could average forty at seven. Yeah, that was that so became the, the, that became the new norm. Even for Australia, we like, we're like, like. Brad Haddon doesn't get nearly enough credit for how good he was. I've got some issues with Haddon in terms of his temperament as a player, but he doesn't get nearly enough credit for how good he was as a player because he never averaged more than 40. Like he always, you know, he, if there was no, if Haddon came in after Healy, he'd be going down as one of our, you know, one of the, the, the greatest wicket keepers of all time. He was coming in as a, a player that could genuinely bat, like on his day, he could genuinely bat in the top six. Um, I think he averaged, you know, mid 30s and, he was always just looked down upon because he wasn't Gilchrist yeah. and that's the same thing going around there's all these wicket keepers going around every team's trying to find not necessarily like i know a guy that could up the up the ends and up the run rate was ideal because coming in at 7 and you get that guy that's good enough to go and turn the game on its head but teams everywhere were just looking for a batsman at 7 that could average about 40 and that's that's all gilchrist and the gilchrist changed that you know alan Knotts talked about as one of the best wicket keepers. Ever Ian Healy in the same boat and they averaged 20s early 30s yeah and that, and Gilchrist has made that that you you just simply can't have that that's not what teams do now you need someone who can bat to bat at 7 for you wicketkeeper needs to be able to it's not good enough to just be a wicket-keeper. You need to be a wicket-keeper batsman now, and I think that's yes. that's all to do and it's and all there, to do with Adam Gilchrist.
2: And there is a history of just wrong selection choices because of that, and I genuinely believe that. It's just like they're sitting there.
1: Yeah, and, trying to force wicket- Like, yeah. after Mark Boucher got injured, they went through quite a run trying to find some wicket-keepers. Like, they had A.B. De Villiers holding having the gloves because yeah. De Villiers, they didn't want to- weaken their batting line-up by having to carry a substandard batsman as a wicketkeeper. keeper It became... 100%. percent Wicketkeeping became the skill that you could downgrade on because you wanted to make sure your batting was optimised. And I well, think cricket slowly getting back to that, you need to pick a genuine keeper, and if you can bat, that's a bonus. But it's it's nowhere near what it was in the 60s, 70s, 80s. We but,
2: can get away with a keeper it, that wasn't... It changed the entire fabric of the game. Like, it, it wasn't just international, like... I remember talking to I was literally the other day I was talking to our, our mate Jakey. who's one of like he's he's a listener shout out to Jakey um he um he was talking about how he, he when he was quite a young kid like you know 16 years of age he was playing first grade on the on the on the north coast um you know taking the gloves batting at 11 and then Gilly came along and it was just no longer an option that you could have a genuine gloveman even at that level of cricket yeah he was he was just like yeah I just kind of gave it away because no like you know I was playing lower grades and kind of moved a bit and mostly because he wasn't getting a run in the top grades anymore and it's just like yeah like you know it's just it's just interesting that even club level changed its mindset
1: yeah and that's why I think Gilchrist Gilchrist is probably the most important player since Bradman for world cricket anyways we've romanticised about our teams enough we're dragging on it's time to listen to see if Glenn's <laughs> managed to hastily finish his homework in the yeah I mean like
0: I'm, again. I'm, I'm, Look, you guys are really thoughtful ones, but like I'm just going to keep it simple. And uh, well, we'll and go you, through. You can't do, really argue. Do you,
1: do you remember your top also, three?
0: Also, I've got to work. But <laughs> do,
1: you, do you remember your top three from last week? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, Hayden
0: Slater and uh, Jack Cullis, All right, at number cool. three. So number four. So I've already got an all rounder. Um, number four, I'm going to go with Brian Lara. You guys have already covered it, but I probably got to see a bit more of Lara than you guys did. Yeah, definitely. Um, Oh, he's, he was just really good to watch. You just couldn't, could not bowl to him. He had this weird, uh, like, big backlift, which nobody did in that era, like wound up over the top. And the thing is, he, he's kind of like the last remnant of that kind of Calypso style. That, uh, that you epic know, that, West Indies too. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the, the I don't know, the the thing that really embodies uh, West Indian cricket is like driving on the up over cover, or through cover, standing really tall. And uh, that's what Lara did, you know, at, the, at his best. It didn't matter where you bowled, but, like, he could particularly just do that Calypso style. Uh, you know, McGrath got a, on top of him a little bit, um, but when once he was in, you know, once he once he got
2: past 50, he was good for 200. His, you know? his, his appetite for runs was incredible. He's a stamina and appetite oh, for he
1: runs. He has a first-class 500 and a test 400, so... Yeah. He a beast. And
0: just seeing those um, battles between McGrath and Lara were great because, the, uh, you know, McGrath got him a lot of times less than 10. But um, I, I sort you, of thought. He
1: didn't want to drop Lara. In single digits off McGrath bowling <laughs> yeah, exactly. because
0: well for one because McGrath would kill you but and that's uh, <laughs> why because he knows
1: he's now going to spend the ne- better part of the next two days bowling at this guy. Yep. Anyway, uh, it's
0: probably been covered plenty of times how good Lara is. Oh, he's a beast. Uh, my number five is going to be Steve War. Um, Tugger. Yeah, I mean, like I was, I was, tempted to to go with Mark because he is the uh, the better stroke maker, um, but. I don't know. I, he, he, I got a,
1: I got an enjoyment out of watching Steve Ward just going. You are not getting me out. You are not. I've creating. only got a cut and maybe a slog sweep. Yeah, but
0: you're not getting me out. Uh, the, the slog sweep came later. He just realised. Oh, you know, <laughs> it's getting a bit boring. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. He, he was just always a favourite of mine um, growing up. Um, like, to the point where, you know, you get your favourite players and you actually get nervous when they, they go into bat. Yeah. You, you ever get that with, like, you, you play at the players that you really love watching and it was like, oh, man, I hope he, he gets some runs this time, you know. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, a, a great moment at the SCG. Last ball, 100. La- last ball, 100, against a pretty ordinary attack. But he, you know, like... He weathered the storm of having, um, you know, the newspaper was keeping a track every week of how many days it had been since Steve Waugh had averaged over fifty in Test cricket. Like yep. that's that's our media for you. Um, but he ended up getting it back over, over the fifty yep, mark. Finished
1: with, um, I think he fi- he was finished with the all-time leading run score for Australia when he retired. I think he overtook, he overtook
0: border. border yeah, yep. I think he did. Yeah.
1: Um. Yep. Yeah, just personified Australian cricket at the time. He was tough as nails, refused yep. to get out, great leader. Yep. Warn, he doesn't agree, but who the hell cares? <laughs> yeah. Warney didn't like him as a leader because he didn't put up with him going out and getting shit-faced every night. Yeah.
0: Anyhow, uh, moving on, number six. That This one's going to be a bit of a surprise, but I was actually thinking of it last week um, for number three. Uh, I'm going to go with VVS Laxman. Yeah. Um, he was just one of those guys, uh, a tall right-hander, um, similar to how I bat, except much better. Um, <laughs> and just one of those guys who, uh, you know, he, he got big hundreds like Lara did as well. Um, but he also did it not not just in the subcontinent, in that... Uh, <laughs> That uh, yeah, we
1: certainly got plenty of time to enjoy watching VVS Laxman back <laughs> in Australia, didn't we?
0: If you, I mean, if you want to think about how people um, have changed the game, v, VVS Laxman and Rahul Dravid um, changed, they
1: they ch- stopped Australia from ever following on yes. for like a decade and a <laughs> half.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. They only just did it again against Pakistan, <laughs> um, and I think maybe one other time. But yeah, the fourth it was. Ju- I mean, the the follow one was just a. Given back then They had to
1: follow on it if, was, Yeah was, If you
0: got him for less than 200 ahead You were going to put him in again And then That just All got changed by that Um But yeah He's just Got a really good style Drives well Very wristy
1: You know Subcontinent yep. sort of player as well So great off his pads Yep Um
0: So Yeah I mean I probably didn't enjoy Watching him bat Because he, he Pounded Australia a lot But uh, Got to respect him um, in the same kind of way we respect Virat Kohli, um, and just just to be different uh, for you, no- and uh, number seven, I'm going to go with Mark Boucher, um, because he was, uh, yeah, I mean he he was a, a keeper for a long time for South Africa. Well, he can throw time
2: dismissals as well.
1: He could throw the bat a bit too. Like he was never on that same sort of level of, of destruction that Gilchrist was on. But he was he was certainly not a, you know, he wasn't a block sort of way. He didn't know no, a wall. No. He was a guy that, you know, had a bit of flair about him. Yeah, so.
0: I reckon he probably averaged around thirty in tests.
2: Yeah. And but uh, a guy whose good good like keeping ability almost made up for the fact that he averaged ten runs less. Yeah, probably.
0: yeah. Like the he was kind of the throwback in an era where they were all going the Gilchrist way where um, the keeper was responsible for how well the fielding side did. You know, yeah. He was the, he was the barometer. Yeah, especially the slips, and you know, like he, they said. He did have the so. fortune
1: of of keeping in an exceptional fielding outfit. That's yeah. one thing that South Africa has always done well. Mm. Yep.
0: Uh, so I mean, except Gilchrist is hard to go past. But just just to be different, we'll go with Mark Boucher. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So your team is Hayden Slater, Callis. Yep. Lara. Uh
0: huh. War.
1: War, Laxman, yep. Yep. Boucher. Boucher. Mine yep. was Gail, um, Smith, Ponting, Smith, again, Uh, De Villiers, Clark, Gilchrist. And Scotty's was Tengikara, Amlar, Dravid, Ponting, Smith, Clark, Gilchrist. So, yeah, Scotty's and I are looking a bit similar. We've got some, you know. All similar tastes in there, but yeah, uh, we'll definitely put those lists up on our Facebook page and our Twitter page for those of you that uh, want to check them out. Uh, but yeah, that's our that's our batting contingent done. So um, next episode, we'll reveal our bowlers. I think this is going to be probably the one where we may end up having some some different opinions. Um, I think there's a lot of wiggle room for bowlers. Isn't yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. That'll bring that brings 2019 for two slips and a gully to a close. Yeah, have, um, a, have a good Chrissy,
0: guys. Yeah, hope everyone has a good
1: <laughs> Christmas. And if you are a listener that doesn't celebrate Christmas, enjoy the rest of your December and your beginning of 2020. Um, like we said- so Season greetings. Season's greetings. <laughs> we are going to have on a little hiatus. We will be back after the conclusion of the New Year's test in Sydney. So uh, until then, please uh, stay in touch. Throw up any ideas on our Facebook page of things you might want us to cover in the new year. Gamble um,
0: responsibly. <laughs>
1: gamble responsibly. Um, enjoy the cricket. I know we will be. That's why we love summertime here. We've got so much of it. We've got the Test Series. We've got the Big Bash, which has started. We're going to have an ODI tour of India sometime pretty soon. It just It's the gift that never never stops giving. So from all of us here at Two Slips in the Gully, I hope you've enjoyed your 2019 and hope your 2020 is even better.